Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. number 180 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is August 19th, 2022. I'm Robert Ring. With me, as always, is Mr. Jay Totoro. Hello, hello. Good afternoon. So, Jay, jumping right into it, I, I kept you, I gave you a cliffhanger on this one because you said, you mentioned something about being scared of heights, and that reminded me yeah. of an amusing story that happened a few days ago. You probably, I probably shouldn't have, I sort of led with the punchline to the, this is a real story. Um, my mom who lives nearby has a tree in her yard that she needed to get cut down. I think it was like dead or something like that or dying. And (laughs) the tree removal people came and you know, like when you remove, I don't know if you've ever had or seen a a large tree removed, but obviously they don't, they don't just like chop it down from the bottom because this is going to fall in the house. So typically somebody gets up there and like, they, they pretty much chop it down from the top, like little bits at a time. Yeah, kind of work their way down. Exactly. Work their way down, tie ropes to it to like lower all the shit to the ground. Well, they had to stop because the guy got scared. Really? He <laughs> was doing it. Like, he said Not the right career. <laughs> I know. Like, not, like, if, like, obviously, if you get scared of being up in a tree... No problem, you know that happens. Yeah, to people. sure. But maybe I would, that would be me. Maybe don't do it. Don't try to do that as your job. He, evidently, he said something like, uh, "I had sorry, I had to stop because the tree wasn't safe." And like, I saw my mom later that day. I was, you know, I was asking her how the tree situation went because I knew that, that people were coming to, to chop it down. She said. Uh, well, the guy said, like, they had to leave. The guy said it wasn't safe. And I was thinking, like, surely this is this is a tree removal company. Yeah. I'm sure this is not the first no. dead tree that they've had to remove. I'm certain they have a process for... Yeah, or tools, yeah. <laughs> for doing, like, so obviously that just sounded very weird. And then later later that day, she got a an email from the owner who was actually, like very candid with her he was like hey uh i don't know what to tell you i'm really sorry the removal guy got up there and got cold feet and uh, (laughs) he just couldn't do it he was like i know this is like ridiculous you know et cetera et cetera i'm really sorry we're gonna have you know we're gonna get somebody else to do it and so on and so forth which uh i may i don't know maybe it was the guy's first day on the job and he just thought he had it but i just Again, nothing against the guy. I just found it very amusing that you would try to do that and then turn out to have a fear of heights. Yeah, I would assume probably first day or maybe had a recent incident or something. Because if I if I have incidents, because I, I obviously I've talked about hiking a lot and I've had moments where I've like slipped and fallen or just had close calls and stuff. And usually after that, like my 
fear of heights gets so much worse for like at oh, least really? a couple weeks or a couple months. Yeah, hundred percent. It just like it kind of exacerbates it, if you will. Gotcha. Um, what have you been up to lately? Anything special? Uh, rock climbing is the new thing, which has been pretty fun. Speaking of heights, obviously, uh, getting back into shape, which is pretty darn nice as well. Just working a lot. Trying to find more games to play that I enjoy. Right now, it's just been playing a lot of Slay still and um, some of the classic games. But I'm kind of in that. Horrible. I've kind of been in that try to find some new games to play mode recently yeah. also. Um, I have been playing. I'll talk about it a little bit at the end of the podcast. I've been playing Last Call BBS, hmm. which has been lots of fun. Um, you and I talked about, what is it? Is it Across the Obelisk? Yeah, Across the Obelisk. That a little bit. Obelisk, Obelisk. Yeah. Um, I might give that one a shot. There's a couple others I might try out as well, but yeah, I was, I'm kind of like in that in between games stage also. Yeah. I just haven't had as much time lately. I like, I have a little bit of time each night, like, you know, 30, 60 minutes or something. And I just don't really want to get super committed into another like RPG of any kind. So it's just yeah. like, ah, what do I do? I don't really want to do a slay run cause I've played way too much slay again, but yeah. I, um, so I've had a weird thing happen. I've been, so I had a, I was talking to you about this briefly. I had a surgical procedure about a week ago. And so I've been like not really doing much and pretty much for, for about a week. I just, I was, I spent most of the day in bed and I got really bored and I started watching Star Trek, which has never been an interest to me before. And like all of a sudden I just had this craving to watch Star Trek. You're not a sci-fi guy fan in general right i know you're not, not. really so you no. so you don't really have an opinion on star trek i assume i, I enjoy star trek more than star wars but uh okay not, not like it's not something i go to i'm more of a fantasy type person okay that's that's what that's what i thought i remembered um yeah. i had always i've never i i've appreciated star trek i've never really enjoyed it except for just like uh like one or two episodes here and there and Back several years ago, I tried wa- I tried like watching quite a bit actually. I wa- I ended up watching the first two seasons of the original series, Dang. um, and then I watched like probably about half of the first season of the Next Generation, which is supposed to be an extremely good series. Although what although what I hear is the first season is not good, the second season has like it has good episodes mixed in with some not good episodes and then from the third on it's supposed to be fantastic and i tried getting through the the first season a while back and i just could not do it part partly because like i was sort of forcing myself in the first place to watch it but also because that season just isn't very good so i sort of gave up and i found myself wanting to watch some sort of like i was really in the mood to watch some science fiction but okay. I didn't want like action science fiction. I wanted something more kind of contemplative. Sure. <laughs> I spent forever trying to find a new movie or something that I that I hadn't seen that fit that description. I couldn't find anything, and then it kind of hit me. I was like, "Wait, Star Trek? That's they in, they basically invented contemplative science fiction." So maybe I'll give that another shot. So I started. I started with actually the the final episode of the first season of the Next Generation. And then moved on to the second season. And I've actually been like legitimately hooked on it. Dang. In 
eight days, I watched 11 episodes. Wow. It's like almost one a day. Yeah. Well, it's, it's almost more than one a day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's, it's very, which is, that's really the whole story. It's not a great story, but like, it's very strange to me because I've never, like, again, I've always appreciated what they do, but I've never really been interested in that. And all of a sudden I found myself very interested in it and, and just like really, really enjoying everything. Even the ones that aren't good, like I've just kind of enjoy just, they're, they're sort of a relaxing watch. Um, so I don't know. I've, I've, I'm on a new kick now. I'm on a Star Trek kick and I'm very, uh, it's always like, it's always fun when you discover something new that you really like, you know? Oh yeah, know I mean? for sure. And then you have like a whole lot of it to watch or, or, you know, if it's a TV show or, you know, if it's like a skill or something, you, like a lot more to learn or whatever. I love that aspect of, of finding new things. So, uh, so I'm on a, I'm on a binge right now. We'll, we'll see where it goes. But so far the second season, I'd say about, I'd say more than half of the episodes I've seen have been pretty good. And two or three of them have actually been, I would say like great episodes. There's a lot of good stuff coming out right now too. Cause uh, the new game of Thrones show starts, I think today or I think it's today actually. I think it comes out today. There's a new one. Uh, it? I have not. How, yeah. about it? how didn't I hear about this? Yeah, house of dragons. I think is the name of it. House of dragons. Um, yeah. It's another, it's like a side series from the main one or it's, it's a prequel rather. It's a, I think it's a prequel from the original one. I haven't looked too much into it. I just want to kind of go into it blind and see if it's any good. Uh, Rick and Morty comes out in like two weeks. Oh, does it? Lord of the Rings. That show comes out in the near future. I think it comes out in the middle of September. If I'm oh, not mistaken. Geez. There's a lot of stuff. Sandman just came out, which if you haven't watched that was pretty darn good for what we're watching that right now. Oh, is it pretty? So okay, I read yeah. some of the comics a while back and I don't really remember much about it. I didn't get as hooked on the comic as most people seem to. I brought the comics. We just kind of went into a blind. Yeah, it's it's enjoyable. It's fun. It's it's a it's a definite watch. We're like seven episodes in out of ten, I think, and it's been pretty darn good so far. Do you know when is the next uh, Invincible season supposed to come Dude, out? Right? Yeah. What the hell's up with that? I don't know, but they keep giving us the boys, and I'll watch the boys all day. The boys? You haven't watched the boys? No. What's this? Really? What's it on? It's on Amazon. You definitely give it a watch. It's just a really fucked up superhero show. It is re- like, I don't like superheroes. I think superheroes are generally really fucking boring and overdone, especially today. Okay. The Boys is just a really demented, dark humor, fucked up situation. I, I, there's like literally, you watch the first 30 seconds of the first episode, and if you like it, you love it. If you don't, okay. move on because that is the entire show in a nutshell. First, th- okay. So I'll, I'll, I'm gonna pull up. Well, no, I don't think I. Oh yeah, I can. I'm gonna watch the first thirty seconds at some point. Share your screen. This. I want to. I want to watch it. Oh okay. Yeah. Should I do Share it right now? Should I just do it? Yeah, right now? Right now. Okay. Fuck it. Uh, what are people gonna do? Yell at us? Yeah, come on, bitch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, episode one. Watch now. I'm disappointed that it's that it's not spelled. Hold on a second. Let me. B-O-Y-Z. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I was going to say B-O-I. Uh, oh, okay. 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 Let me... I'm Here, trying do to you f- want me to stream it to you? Would it make it easier? No, I'm trying to figure out how to do this to where it's not going to get all the audio on the recording because I don't want to... That's That sounds like a copyright situation waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. Maybe just like edit that part out and then just talk about it after the fact. Yeah, okay, let's just... I'm going to play it. You don't say anything for a second. You can watch it too, though, if you want. And I'm going to... And I'm going to watch uh, the me, first... Are you watching on the... I've, I'm just watching it on Amazon. 
shit, Robin. Yeah, that show doesn't fuck around. Okay. I'm intrigued. I will give this a shot. Nope. Yeah, let me know your thoughts. It's, uh, it just gets better, and, and by better and better, I just mean more fucked up and more ridiculous, and it's just, it's very topical, too, so. That's one thing that, going back to Game of Thrones, I feel like a lot of people criticized it for was for being, like, so dark, but I I no. appreciate it when yeah. shows have the balls to do that. 100%. I'm not gonna, I'll be honest with you, that's part of the reason why I like Game of Thrones, which, like, because it yeah. feels real, because, like, no offense, but, like, real life is not hoity-toity. It's, it's fucked up. There's a lot of dark shit that happens. Like, I, I get that people want to use shows as, like, an escape mechanic, but also, when, when you watch this show, by the way, this show has such an accurate depiction of how I think superheroes would actually interact with the world and be treated. It, it is so okay. different than any other superhero uh, thing that I've seen before. Just a great show. Awesome. Hell yeah. Cool. Okay, I'll give it a shot. All right. Back to the podcast. I've got a little bit yep. of new, I've got a little bit of new a couple of news items. Jay, I believe you are a fan of tactics games. Yeah, of course. I've got some good news for you. Metal Slug Tactics looks pretty awesome and it's supposed to come out this year. Um, what's uh what what's the uh, systems brother? Uh Switch and I don't know what else. That's a good question. I mean, it belongs on Switch, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's on Switch. It's got the classic Metal Slug graphics. Like, it looks it looks amazing. Here, actually. And in fact, the way the... It almost... Well, here, you just take a look at it. Uh, where are you? Um. Anyway, I don't obviously can't speak to the gameplay. But the game just... the Visually, it looks amazing. And it is... Oh, wow, this does look amazing. The, Lisa would play this. The concept of Metal Slug Tactics sounds really cool, so I'm, I really hope this is going to be good. He, and the, uh, another Tactics now, another tactics game announcement. Uh, tactics Ogre Reborn. Did you, Have you ever played Tactics Ogre? A little bit. I've just never been able to get into it too much. Really? Okay. You know what? That's funny. Well, not funny necessarily. I have heard that. That, that actually does fall in line with... With what I've heard, I've heard plenty of people who love it, and I've also heard a lot of people say that it just doesn't kind of like it. Re- there's it never really takes off. Um, but regardless, Tactics Over Ogre Reborn is coming out November 11th. I think it's just um like graphical upgrades and that kind of stuff, and probably like sound and all that too. I don't think sure. they have changed the game very much. Um. Okay, well, okay, it does say a redesigned battle system, so maybe it's more of a kind of full remake than just a, and not just a remaster. Um, It's coming out November 11th. Oh, and by the way, Metal Slug Tactics is coming out sometime this year. I don't think there's a date for it, though. And then, uh, not a tactics game, but one more game that's getting a remake is Alone in the Dark, which um, came out, I think, in 1992. It was sort of a, I played it for the podcast a long time ago, and it, it is basically, you can tell that Resident Evil got a lot of its ideas from Alone in the Dark. Uh, it's a little bit more fantastical. This one says, uh, let's see, from the PlayStation blog, uh, evidently it's it's not a, 
it's not a strict, re- I mean, it is a remake, but they, it's like a liberal remake. They just kind of take a lot of the general ideas and themes from it and, and made a whole new game. It doesn't just, you know, straight up follow the, the original game. So that's coming out. I don't think there's a date on it. I, it doesn't sound like it's going to be this year or anything. Um, just something that is in the works. Okay. Uh, and that's all the news I have. Just those, just those few couple things that are being made. I, do you have anything? No, I don't think that I've seen anything as of recent, to be honest with you. I haven't really been following too much gaming news as of recent. So Yeah, I've been a little bit less up on it myself, partly because partly because we kind of needed to, to trim down the news section a little bit. And also, I've just been doing other things. That's fair. Will, why don't we talk about the games we've been playing then? How about you kick us off, if you don't mind? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, so for this episode of the podcast, I played Jungle Strike, uh, which came out for the Super Nintendo in 1993. This was a sequel to another Jungle Strike game. Uh, I played one of these two games as a kid. I rented it a few times from Blockbuster, and got a, it was first time, one of the first times in a while that I've gotten some true nostalgia while playing something for the podcast. I think I'm starting to run down to the bottom of every game that I've ever played, or at least that I remember. <laughs> So it was one of those games that I went into remembering, enjoying it, remembering also being really frustrated by it and decided to give it a shot. Um, I will say it was very not enjoyable. (laughs) It was just kind of whatever. So there's some pretty good memes from it, though. And this is what I was sending you earlier. Sorry for the spam. I was just trying to get get stuff going. Okay, yeah, I didn't look at those because you told me not to. So so the way this game starts is very interesting. So you are... The way I can describe it is if you picture every 90s uh, action movie, that is kind of how this this game starts. They're, the main character, which is you, is this guy who is being called in by the National Security Agency because they're having issues with terrorist, t- terrorism. Okay. And so you get called in. So the you get these like blanket images. <laughs> it's just like this like this still screen. Where there's this guy, and, I, and you can look at one of the images, just okay. an idea, where okay. he's sitting back in an in a office chair with his feet up on the desk. And it looks like he's not wearing <laughs> shoes. I, I know he is, but it looks like he's just wearing socks. And this guy's like briefing him on the on the mission or the missions that you're doing, which is to basically stop terrorism. There's some guy that apparently was a <laughs> bad guy. Is to and, stop terrorism. Yeah, so, so here the quotes of it are just amazing. So to start, um, the first one you get is... They they are showing you they're they're kind of talking like about the mission and the the guy who's briefing you says we have spy satellite photos of the blast area simultaneously with the detonation and the main character responds with good thing Congress didn't cut the space program much and it's just what? like all of it is is like they, they they have these like really cringy corny explanations of what you're doing and then the main character responds with these just awful one-liners the second one is they're showing the guy that you're trying to to go after and the guy says we further enhanced the pictures and identified these two suspects and the main character responds boy these guys look familiar ugly but familiar (laughs) and then uh, do your job Right, and then you get to the part where they tell you how what you're going to be doing, which is you're manning a helicopter. That's the actual game. Is okay. it's a top-down game where you man a helicopter, and the guy says your first mission is to stop the terrorists threatening the capital. And the guy, of course, responds with, "Good. I was afraid this was going to be easy," <laughs> which is just fucking. So you're just so like stupid. action hero, dude, man. Yeah, yeah, generic quintessential action hero from the '90s. I picture <laughs> uh, what's the guy, the really cringy guy. Uh, the guy who was really obsessed with was it Japanese culture? 
You're not talking. Oh, you're not talking. You're not talking about Steven Seagal, are you? I am talking about. Okay, Steven Seagal. His Russian culture is his big thing. No, but th- didn't he say he was like he was like a kung fu? Or it was like I thought he was like really <laughs> obsessed with some kind of martial arts and said he was an expert on it or something. Oh, okay. Yes, he's a big. He he. he is a self-proclaimed Aikido expert, I believe. Yes, that's what it was. Sorry, I can't remember what I—I I, I actually despise that guy. I think but he—he he loves Russia. Yeah, I know that too. I've seen the. He—he's he's been there recently. I'm pretty sure has probably. I, I think I saw some. Anyways, but yeah, I picture Steven Seagal from start to finish of playing this game, just kind of based on the awful one-liners <laughs> and just all in all. So uh, before I actually talk about the game. Pretty, some pretty great screenshots. So one of them is when you flew, when you fail the mission, which the first mission is you have to protect three buildings. They're, they're special buildings, you know, whatever it is. They're special uh, buildings. They're special buildings. They're, they're a special American. It's really like cliche patriotism. Is it the White House? Is it just the no, White House? No, it's not the White House. It's like the it's the Library of Congress. Oh, okay, uh, okay. I don't remember what the other two are, to be honest with you. It, it was just really like cliches, just really fucking just... Whatever it, it wasn't, it wasn't anything. That so you, are you fighting? What are you fighting against? Like other helicopters, or is it terrorism? More... Uh, <laughs> it's guys on the ground with guns. It's vehicles. Okay. It's like really sketchy looking vans with gunners, and then there's like some sort of like rocket propel, uh, not rocket propel, like basically vehicles with rockets strapped to them that they shoot you, like almost like okay. sa- surface to air missiles. I don't know. Okay. They they're really like. That part of it is is I'll get to that in a second. But if you die or if you fail, rather, if you fail and one of the one of the, your missions, uh, one of the objectives is is ruined, they tell you to come back to the base. You go back to the base, and it just goes back to the original screen that you get at the beginning. And the dude's still sitting with his fucking feet up on the desk after you yeah. lose. See, so this is you lose. This is a game over. Right? <laughs> He's just like still has his feet up on the desk, and it says fuck. you blew. Yeah, it says you blew it. Uh, the Jefferson Memorial. That was one of them. Is only okay. a memory. <laughs> So, and then the game just ends. Like, that. that is you getting a game over. The other way you can get a game over is if you die too many times, which I'll talk about here in a minute. And I, sh- I sent a screenshot to you, and it's just, like, kind of a graphic image of a of a guy, which can't be you because he's wearing a different outfit than you for some reason. Uh, his face down in the dirt. It's just showing how you failed and led to people, your failure led to people's deaths. I guess. <laughs> so, the actual game itself. Uh, a couple things. There's no music. Okay. Which is really weird. Uh, the helicopter that you pilot you you can't land it uh and you can't take off with it automatically well i should say there's no input to do that it automatically does that in certain situations otherwise you can't land or take off with the helicopter which is kind of weird okay so the actual controls of the helicopter are tank controls so i think that's probably pretty obvious given the style of game um you can stop and like hover you don't have to like constantly stay in motion the back propeller is never running judge from a visual element it's always just stagnant which is pretty great Um, that's funny you have a couple different options for weapons you have machine gun you have some sort of missiles and then you have another kind of missiles Uh, you have a limited amount of ammo for all of them and your the first objective i I will say the overview map that you get is pretty good it tells you like what are your objectives and where they are uh there's a there's like a laundry list of objectives you generally have the first level is like you have to go clean out all the terrorists that around these three important buildings then you have to go find the terrorist leader and destroy his building and then kill him and then there's like some other shit you have to do along the way as well uh, you do have a life, you do have a, a set amount of life, and fuel, and ammo, but you can't see any of those unless you go into the start menu, which is really stupid, especially uh, the fuel one. Just, you don't just have a, like a HUD? Nope, that you... <laughs> no meters, no HUD. Uh, so you don't know when you're running out of fuel. Uh, there is fuel available, but you don't know when you need it until you're critically low. Okay. Okay? 
Same with your life bar. You don't know where you're at until you're critically low. And then it does the Zelda thing where it just warns you over and over and over <laughs> that you're low on health, which makes me want to rage. Drives me nuts. Um, and so you're basically flat around this level. The overall objectives are pretty clear. The bad guys are either like dudes with guns running around shooting at you, vehicles with guns on them, or vehicles with rockets on them. They uh, they obviously shoot at you, they deal damage to you, you deal damage back to them. You can generally speaking avoid a good amount of the damage that comes inbound to you from the rockets, but for the machine guns, not really. I couldn't find a way to do it. The tank controls themselves, or the tank controls, the helicopter controls aren't that great. Um, you can go forward, you can go backwards, you can strafe a little bit going left to right, which I learned pretty far in. And I should also mention that they don't tell you any of the controls going into it. They give you oh, nothing. Sure. The game starts and you're on a helipad and it just takes off and it's like, all right. And they, they don't tell you like, go do your objectives or press start for objectives. You just go and you just <laughs> you figure it out. Shoot everything that moves. Yeah. And if you shoot the wrong thing, you lose. Uh. If you shoot, I, I, I destroyed one of the good buildings. I didn't know. Uh, I destroyed one of the good buildings, which <laughs> I was looking for ammo. And uh, I ended up losing one level or the level because of it. Uh, there are items that you can pick up, but it's a really bizarre mechanic. And I remember this specifically as a, ch a child because I couldn't remember how this how this worked. But if there's item like if you destroy a, a bad guy and an item drops, you fly over it and your helicopter automatically deploys a hook, and then you have to wait for it to attach onto the thing and then pull it back up into you in order to get like health, fuel, or ammo. Now, when I was playing, I was like, how the fuck do I pick these up? So I'm like flying around I'm <laughs> on top of them, and then I see the hook come down. I'm like, oh, maybe I have to like drape it into it. Nope. I'm like, okay, uh, maybe I just like have to press a button. Nope. And then finally figured out, you just have to be like, literally, you cannot move at all. You have to stay right on top of it and wait for it to go down, which is just peachy. And again, they don't tell you any of this. So you have to figure this out as you're, as you're more or less going through it. Um, trying to think what else. Oh, surprisingly, the helicopter doesn't make a lot of noise. And I was actually really impressed by that. I always assume older games are going to have like, oh, your helicopter has to have noise. And so they would have like a really loud, constant loop of like a, you know, whatever, whatever sound effect they want to use for it. Thankfully, they didn't. It's very muted. It's it's very quiet. That's great. There's no music. So generally speaking, the game is pretty darn quiet, with the exception of you hear bad guys firing at you, which is nice to hear because obviously you want to know when they're attacking you. Right. Uh, what else? Um, you generally play a helicopter throughout the entire game. I got, I cleared the first level and most of the second level. I stopped after that because I just couldn't deal with it and I got really frustrated. It just, it's not a really fun and engaging game. It gets really boring very quickly. The controls aren't exciting and the overall like interaction and shooting is just not that cool. I looked at some of the later levels. Apparently you get to drive a stealth bomber, but here's the best part. You get to drive a stealth bomber but it has the exact same controls and it, it reacts the same way as the helicopter. It flies around, like hovers around like a helicopter. Uh -huh. <laughs> and can strafe apparently too. So I don't know, but uh, oh, man. yeah, this game was, oh, we're going to like, also I imagine you're not actually stealth while, as you're flying around, right? Or are you? No, absolutely not. Okay. Um, yeah, you were just attacking. And you have, like, the same weaponry from what I can see, too. It just, it was basically just a reskin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that, that was essentially, that was, I wonder if they had the helicopter noise, too. I didn't check to confirm on that piece. That, <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Uh, trying to think what else. Um, I, uh, yeah, the, the pictures, the, the, I will say the best part about this game is the intro. The memes are just too good. I mean, it's just so cringy and like you know they were like this is awesome this is cool like this is this is it 
when they were putting this together, you know that there was some guy who's just really pumped about this. Be think he's being really sly and clever and cool, Steven Seagal style. And yeah, yeah, this is what we get. So I, the intro for me just hooked me immediately, and then the gameplay just lost me. Um, is there any sort of? Do you ever find a, an individual like villain, or is it just always just terrorism? Uh, there is an individual villain that you're chasing. That's kind of the overall point of the game. And okay. I believe at the end of it, you do capture him again or kill him or one sure of the other. Do, yeah. uh, I would be surprised. No. But yeah, there, there's generally one guy you're chasing after. Each level, there's objectives where you go after specific people. And they're, by the way, they're really stereotypical kind of racist names for all of them oh, too. So yeah, I think the first guy you're looking for is Akbar, if I'm not mistaken as well. So. Admiral Ak, they have Admiral I Akbar? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I saw that and that's exactly what I thought of too. <laughs> So. Okay. All right. Yeah, you missed out on this one. You gotta, you gotta give us one a try. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I don't. I'm not. I'm not too sure about that. Okay, that's what was it? It's Jungle Strike. Uh, Jungle Strike. Jungle, Jungle yeah. Strike. Okay. I feel I, I'm. I pulled this up a minute ago as you were talking about it, and I don't know that I've played this, but it definitely does look familiar. I, I remember that was seeing. Kind of my thought. Yeah, I remember seeing it somewhere. I remember the, seeing the box art. I don't know that I actually played it. If I did, it was probably the Genesis version, but I, but I really That's don't so know. funny. You and I are literally in the same wavelength. I saw the box art, so I was like, I think I've played this before. And then I saw the box art, and I'm like, I've definitely played this before. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, is that it for you? That is it for me. Okay. I've got a couple here. Um, ooh, actually, there's one that I forgot to write down. Let's start with uh, let's start with chips challenge. This is most people. Pro- pro- this is the one that I, for some reason, didn't write up any notes for. So I'm pulling up just the basic information about it. A lot of people, if you played video games in like the late '80s, early '90s, especially on PC, you've probably played some version of this on Windows. Um, I, I think I played this a little bit on Windows What's back in the day. Again? It's called Chips Challenge. Um. Oh, okay. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you've seen this. A lot of people. If you look it up, you'll probably it'll probably look familiar. Um. If 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 probably a lot of people just will straight up recognize the name. But I didn't realize. So this came out in 1989. I played the Atari Lynx version. I actually didn't realize that that's evidently the original version. Um. Huh. Yeah, originally published 1989 by Epix as a launch title for the Atari Lynx. Then it was later ported to Windows 3.1, DOS, Mega, Commodore 64, a couple other things. Um, This is a puzzle game where it's a top-down grid view. You're a little guy named Chip, and every level, it's, it's broken up to where it's like little puzzle levels. So it's basically find the keys to unlock the doors to get to the exit, more or less. Um, So, you know, the most basic version of that is there's a uh, you go find a green key, go find the green door that the green key opens, open that one. It's got a red key in it. Go find the red door, open that one. It's got a blue key. Then the blue key eventually leads you to the exit. And it kind of picks up from there. It, It adds more and more mechanics and more and more different kind of like puzzle types as you go through. Uh, so one thing it adds, for instance, is ice. And if you are like on a, 
like a path of ice. Basically, as soon as you step on it, you keep moving. It's like you're sliding on the ice. You keep moving until you get to the end of the little ice path. Um, then you can also get these, like some levels might have a pair of uh, like cleats that you can eventually find if you, you know, if you, if you get to them. And the cleats will let you walk around freely on the ice. Then there is... There are flame tiles, and I think you, I think you have to find the shield to to walk past those. There are some tiles that are little conveyor belts. It's kind of, it's it's very similar to the ice actually, um, except on the ice you can go from one end to the other, either either side to the other. But on conveyor belts, you 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 know if you get on, you you can't walk the wrong way on a conveyor belt. You can only get on it from one side, then it'll spit you out the other side. But if you get there's a magnet item. If you get that, for instance, and you can walk on conveyor belts, a lot of little things like that. There's blocks that you got to push around. Um, usually you have, there are little computer chips throughout the stage. And the goal is essentially to find a certain number of computer chips that will allow you to unlock this one little thing that leads to the, to the actual exit. Sometimes there are, sometimes you just have to find all of them. Sometimes you only need a certain number of computer chips, so you don't necessarily have to get every single one to advance to the next level. Uh, and it's just lots of little things like that. Usually, um, th- there's a bit of trial and error involved in any given level. Like, there are some where the level is way too big to see all of it. Uh, and In fact, most of them, past like the first couple, are larger than just one screen. But especially... Once you get, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, that those levels, then the then they're significantly bigger and kind of maze-like to where you can't look at it and figure out where you need to go next. You really just have to walk around and stumble around until you find this or that key, then find then try to basically more or less randomly find the path to the door that that key opens. Uh, and all of this is timed also. So if time runs out, you just die and you got to start over. Um, I think there are like 150 levels or something, Oof. something like that. I got, yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, I got about 20, maybe, maybe 25 levels in and it's a cool idea and it was a really fun game back in the day, but I really got tired of the the just luck involved and, and guesswork and, and having to play a level multiple times to figure out like, okay, I'm going to die a few times figuring out the layout. Then I'm going to eventually kind of figure out the best path to take to get this or that key to open the next door and so on and so forth. So I, that aspect of it, I don't like. You, you can't just treat it like a pure puzzle game where you can just figure it out. You have to... You really have to. It's one of those where you have to die a lot of the time, okay? Uh, to to because mostly because of the way time is going to run out on you, um, to find the best way to get through, like the most efficient way to get through any given level before time runs out. That's that's not really an issue on the earlier ones, but eventually it does become an issue, and that was where it pretty quickly lost me. So chips challenge, the solid one when it came out in '89. Uh, I. In my opinion, it doesn't hold up great. It wasn't terrible either. So, I mean, if it's something that you have a lot of nostalgia for, maybe go and give it a chance. But otherwise, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. My oh. next one, I got two more, is uh, 
Lands of Lore, The Throne of Chaos. This is a DOS game. came out in 1993. It's a dungeon crawler. So I kind of randomly got in the mood for not not just a dungeon crawler, but a but a DOS dungeon crawler because there's something just really that I really really like about old DOS game graphics. Um, it's like kind of that chunky pixel art. I I really like, and I suddenly was was really craving something with that. So I remembered a, a friend of mine had this game when I was in probably fifth or sixth grade. And uh, I don't think I ever played it at his house, but I saw a little bit of it and I always thought it looked cool. I never ended up buying it for myself or playing it myself or anything like that. So I decided to give it a shot. Um, it is a classic dungeon crawler where it's it's an RPG, but it's not turn-based. It's one of those you know, first-person viewpoint uh, grid-based games where you, you, you press the forward button and you basically walk forward one square and you're always looking exactly forward you have to, you know, turn to the side to look to either side and that kind of stuff. Also, uh, every essentially every level is very, very maze-like to where you have to, you really have to use a map to be able to navigate a level and figure out, oh crap, where, where did I start off from? How do I get back to the to the entrance or where do I get to this door, or that door, or whatever it might be? What, what, if, if you know what a dungeon crawler is, this is like the epitome of that. Um... The story is pretty pretty RPG slash dungeon crawler standard. It's like there's a witch. She's trying to take over. She put a spell on the king. You gotta go you gotta go get some stuff to save the king, and, and I'm sure eventually you're supposed to just you're supposed to kill the the evil witch also. Um So the first question that I had when I was looking for a game like that well this was, I, I mentioned that I wanted to play this one in particular. I was actually generally in the mood for a dungeon crawler, and this was just the first one that popped up on my radar because I remembered it from back in the day. But when I was looking into whether this is the one that I really wanted to try, I wanted to see if it had a an in-game map. Because I, the classic thing that you do with dungeon crawlers of this type is you have a piece of grid paper of grid paper next to you and you're drawing a map of the dungeon while you're playing so that you don't so that you can figure out how the hell to get out because everything is so labyrinthine um this one does actually have an in-game map so as soon as i saw that i was like okay it's got it let's go for it okay um but what's funny about it is the in-game map is actually you actually have to get an item like it's it's an item that you get if you don't it's called the magic atlas i think if you don't pick up the magic atlas then it doesn't give you the in-game map but but the magic so that the magic atlas is like what fills out while you're playing and, and shows you the map okay um but so you have to get this item to have that but you get the item within like the first three minutes of the game it's it it's in the starting area, and you just have to go to like a room and pick it up. They don't. Why which not I just give it to you. I, I know that was that's exactly where I was going with that. Like, why why not just give this to me? Especially since, especially like, why would you leave a chance that somebody might miss it, and then they're just miserable? Where you went through the trouble to make this thing and put it in your game, just give it to us. So that was kind of funny. There's also a compass that you get not that early on, but like. 
also very, very early, like maybe within the first 10 or 15 minutes. Um, you just have to talk to the right character and he'll give it to you. The compass is not nearly as important as the map, but it is, it is pretty helpful uh, at some points. Um, gameplay wise, you're basically, it's like dungeon, a little bit of story, go through a big old dungeon, get a little bit more story, that, that sort of generic formula. Um, the, the game looks, it, the, the graphics are real, the graphics and the art, it just looks fantastic to me. I, I really love the way this looks. It really nailed exactly what I kind of wanted at this time as I was playing it. Um, the, uh, the, the cutscenes are neat. The characters are, are, they all look pretty cool. The little, the, it, I really loved to me, the highlights were. Once I get to like a story point and I get to like talk to some new character or something like that. Um, I really just like really, really like seeing the art on those particular scenes, which turns out to be a shame because once you get far enough into the story, then then or far enough into the game, then you hit you start getting these cut scenes less and less. And it's a lot more just dungeon. And I stuck with it for. I'm going to pull up GOG and see how long I played it for. I want to say I, I probably put about eight hours. Wow. Um, let's see. Where what the fuck is it? I mean, I don't know why it's okay. Uh, okay. According to this, I played 12 hours. Wow. There's probably a, it, I'd say at least an hour or two of, of like AFK time mixed in there somehow. Sure. But, uh, I was really, really enjoying it until I got to a long stretch where I was just trying to figure out how to get through a dungeon for like hours on end. Because um, what's also common in these games is uh, most of the dungeons. So you're obviously you're fighting lots of bad guys, but a lot of the dungeons also have puzzles that you have to kind of figure out how to get through. Like there's a locked door and you got to figure out like what you have to do to unlock this door. Maybe like just a regular key doesn't work. You got to figure out something else or you have to find a hidden wall somewhere. Or like the last one I was in was in some mines and there were like all these portals and I kept trying to like go in this and that portal and then I would get teleported back to the beginning of the mine and I have to go down multiple stories. Like you got to check your map every like five steps to, to figure out where you're going just because everything is laid out in such a confusing way. Um, and, and of course, while you're doing all this, you're having to fight monsters nonstop. So even though I was really liking it for a while, like I eventually just got fed up with kind of, I got tired of just fighting a shitload of monsters, trying to figure out where to go and not really getting much reward in between like the the payoff and reward was pretty cool at first and then it started stretching out more and more until i just ended up realizing that i that it was feeling more like a chore to play than than anything else whereas the first couple hours were really fun but then once i got to this point like i just wasn't having too much fun anymore um the the dungeons when you're walking through, there are, there are uh, again, obviously monsters that you have to fight. The way combat works is you have one or two people in your party, depending on which point of the game you're in. And you pretty much click each character's, like each character has a little weapon icon next to their portrait. You click the weapon icon and they do a melee attack. Or if you have a ranged weapon, they do a ranged attack. 
Um, and then they have a cooldown. You wait for it to the, you wait for the button to like brighten back up. Then you click it again. So you're just kind of like clicking the buttons over over and over. You can also F1 and F2 and F3. You can use those. Those are like uh, those are mapped to the melee attack also. And then there's also an icon for to use a spell. So there's like a spell list in the corner of the screen. You select which spell you want to have active, and then whenever you click on a spell, like the, when you click the spell button next to a character's portrait, then another little thing pops up and it asks you which level of the spell you want to cast, one, two, three, or four. The, the As they go up, they're just stronger, but they use more mana. You click which one you want and cast a spell, whether it's lightning or fire or wh- whatever it may be. And that's that's pretty much all there is to the combat. Um, there's also a sleep mechanic where if you get low on health uh, and or mana, then you can try sleeping and sleeping will like raise those, uh, raise those pools back up. But you, but there's a chance that you might get attacked in your sleep and then you got to fight whatever's attacking you and then try sleeping again. I found that if you find a little alcove, then it is, and it makes sense. It is, there's a much better likelihood that you'll be able to complete the sleep cycle without being woken up by a monster and having to attack it and then try going back to sleep again. If you just try sleeping in the middle of a room, then you're very likely to get attacked by something. Um, so what it kind of came, eventually came down to at at some point where it was, was, was that, I would, there would be tons of monsters. I'd fight some, take a nap, fight some, take a nap, fight. Okay. I got killed reload my save. Try that one again, get killed again, reload my save, maybe five or six times, eventually kill it, take a nap, fight some more monsters, take a nap. And it just became very, very repetitive eventually where all you're doing is like taking a nap after every like couple monsters that you kill, just to make sure that your health is all the way up, that your man is all the way up and then dying. And then you have learned at this point that you really need to save your game like every 10 seconds. So then just load your save, try fighting them again. Once I got to that kind of routine, again, combined with the the story points hitting less often and then getting frustrated with just trying to figure out how the hell to get through any given dungeon. Um, that was really where I started to tank on it and then just eventually gave up. Um, the... One thing that is cool about it is it's it's fairly open world. Uh, there are basically there's like forests that you go to to get to and from this and that other dungeon. And basically the forests themselves are dungeons. They, they just happen to be outdoors. Um, but they're also laid out the exact same way. There are there are secrets that you can find in them, like little treasures here and there. Uh, of course, there's plenty of monsters around. So they're basically the same thing. They just just with a different like look to them. Um, and then occasionally your characters will level up the leveling system. This is one where they will just level up in whatever kind of thing you are attacking with. Like, so if you're using magic, it will level up their magic. If you're doing, uh, melee damage, it'll level up their melee attack, but you level up very, so in 12 hours, I had my melee guy. He got to level five. (laughs) And my, my magic guy had gotten almost to level five, but was still at level four. So you do not level up very often uh, whatsoever. So that's another thing where you really don't get re- rewarded very frequently for, for playing. So overall, like 
I was so excited about this game at first. I was I was really really liking it, and then it just really started sliding downhill and just kept going downhill from there. So maybe give it a shot if you're in the mood for something like this. Um, I got uh, you know I, I pretty much said it. I at some point for me I really fell off, um, but it had the game looks really good. It had plenty of things to like about it. Uh, I just really just didn't have it in me to, to keep on going. It sounds like it's a pretty cool concept, to be honest. Yeah, from what I, you described. I think it did. I think it had lots of cool. Uh, there are lots of there are a lot of cool aspects of it, and then eventually the gameplay itself just just became a bit of a chore. Yeah. All right. Before I go on to my last game, what have you what have you linked me here, Jay? Oh no, it's just pretty funny. One of my friends tweeted to Bobby Kotick oh, okay. the Blizzards, and just just. He just he just tweeted him and said, "Yo, Bobby, what's up, you piece of shit?" <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, they... the rest of it you're not going to understand because it's relating to WoW, but it's just funny. Okay. I th- <laughs> I... <laughs> I see your dad eats my nuts every night. Okay. I thought this was like news or something. <laughs> no, that's just it. Okay. Just just a pretty good tweet. Okay. Um, that's pretty good tweet. <laughs> All right, my last. My last game for the afternoon or late or early evening, rather. I'd say evening for you. Yeah. Evening. Um, this is, I, I got to one of my uh, New Year's resolution games. Oh, you did? I did. This is one that I've really been needing to get to for a very long time now. Um, out of, if nothing else, respect for the franchise. That is Metal Gear. Oh, this is the, again, not Metal Gear Solid. This is the NES Metal Gear game. I have never played it until now. Uh, I obviously am a huge fan of the Metal Gear Solid series. And I, and I, yeah, and I just never got around to playing uh, the original Metal Gear. One thing I did not realize. So this came out in the U.S., on the Nintendo in 1988. It was originally, of course, developed in Japan. <clears throat> Came out uh, for the Famicom before this. But before that, it came out for some like home computer system that I had never really? heard of. Yeah, called the MSX2. Well, now you have to get it. <laughs> I know, right? All three of them in the world. How, I wonder if you can find an MSX2 on eBay. I'm, I'm going to pull it up. Uh... I, I had I had four hundred bucks. There's one for oh, four hundred. That's, that's not too bad. But I wonder if it. Yeah. I wonder, like, how hard it is to find a game for it. Here's one that comes with Gradius. Is it Gradius or Gradius? Uh, I've heard both. To be Gradius and a game called Matt Cross. This one's four hundred and fifty, but it doesn't Just have a monitor. Game? No, 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 no. This oh, is with two games. Okay. Like the, the system plus two games, but it doesn't have a monitor. I'm sure you have to have some sort of proprietary monitor. Also that probably costs a couple hundred. Anyway, I didn't realize that. I thought this was always just originally a Famicom game. And then, you know, eventually Nintendo as well, of course. Uh, but evidently came out for this thing before. And what I also did not know was that. So the MSX two, the original MSX two version is actually different. It's a little bit different from what we eventually got on the NES and even different from what uh, Famicom 
uh, owners had. Uh, and in fact, the MSX2 version is quite a bit better than the other versions that came after huh. it. So much so that Hideo Kojima, of course, the creator of the series, uh, later disowned the NES slash Famicom version of the game because it was so uh, inferior to the original version of the game. Um, there are not a lot of changes, but it's like every change they made was bad. <laughs> so part of it was that the uh, the Nintendo did not have as much memory as this MSX2 did. So they had to kind of downgrade it a little bit, just like graphic wise and, and stuff like that. Sure. If, you, if you pull up a video, the original version visually just looks much better than, than the Famicom slash NES version. Um, then there are like, evidently the team who is given the task of porting it to the Famicom and NES, they, they were also told to like, just make random changes here and there just to make it a little bit different. And so like, there are things that are changed just for the sake of being changed, which I don't know exactly what most of those things are. I do know a couple of them, but like, I have to imagine when it was originally made, most of the things were made for a reason and they just had to, Oh, one of the things was, Oh, no, that one was for, for memory reasons. In the original one, like, for example, some of the enemies were jetpack enemies and they would fly around and those are just gone in this one. Um, the, the most, the, the, the worst change, which I think, I think was also for memory reasons, but I don't remember if I am just making that up or if I actually read it, is the final boss of the game, which you would think is a Metal Gear, right? <laughs> is not a Metal Gear in the in the uh, in the Nintendo versions. It's a supercomputer, and so your so your mission, which I'll, I'll back up in just a second, but your mission throughout the game is find the Metal Gear and destroy it because these people are there can do no good. It's these people are going to use it for terrible things and we just need to destroy it. And I guess I hope they don't remake it. So you would think at the end of the game, you're going to find the metal gear and destroy it. Well, that's what happens on the original version, but not on this one. In this one, you find the computer that controls it and you destroy the computer instead, which is, uh-huh. <laughs> I know, right? it's like the biggest letdown. You don't even get to see, you don't even get to see the Metal Gear at the end of the game. You just blow up a big computer. <laughs> so, that, you, you summed it up exactly how I felt when I got to the end of the game. So let me back up after having said all that. The, the, the core idea, as you probably know, of the Metal Gear series is that it's, it's an action-adventure game, but it is not based on action. It's based on stealth. Um... So instead of running in and shooting all the bad guys you see, you really want to sneak past them as much as you can. You do get guns in the game. You do have ways of, of killing bad guys if you need to, or if you, even if you think it might be best for any given room slash scenario. But it's really heavily emphasized that your goal is not to just kill everybody, but to sneak past these people as much as possible. Um, 
And if you don't do that, then eventually you're going to take too much damage and die. You can't just go in guns blazing for the most part. Um, and this one is just like that. You know, everybody probably knows that from the Metal Gear Solid series. This one is is just the same. Obviously, to a much uh, more rudimentary degree, sure. you're on individual screens. Uh, your goal is basically like, you know, as long as you get from one end of the screen to the other and and and, and get to the next screen, then then you're good. Like if if you do alert bad guys, like if they do see you and they start chasing you, then if you get to the next screen, then you're good. They don't, they don't follow you from screen to screen. Uh, the way you get past them is typically to most of the time. It's like, wait for them to turn around. They, they, they always have some sort of, uh, path that they do. Like maybe even they'll stand still and just like they have a loop where they look left, then look down, then look left again, then look right or whatever it is. And you just got to time it and walk past them when they're not looking at you. Sometimes they are walking around. They might walk from one side of the screen to the other, look around a little bit, then walk back. So it's pretty pretty basic stuff. Just don't let them turn towards you. Just don't be very close to them and let them turn towards you. Um, you can get as close to actually you can get as close to them as you want, as long as they don't turn around and look at you. Then you're dead meat. If you do, uh, if they do see you, then they're going to start chasing you and shooting at you, which. I say, I say chasing you. They don't really chase you. They actually just run around randomly. And then if they happen to what? point, yeah, it's really the AI. There's basically no AI. If you alert them, then they just start running on a, on another, what seems to be a, a, just a different predetermined path more quickly. And if they happen to face you while they're running around, then they will start shooting at you. But like you might alert somebody and you're running down and they just like run to the right like for 20 steps and then turn back and start trying to shoot at you that way. Like there's no actual logic. They, they don't literally chase you down. They just start running around faster and then, and shooting. Um, also, if you do alert them, then typically more guys will start running in from off screen. And of course they're going to shoot you too, if they're facing you, but that's, there, there's really no AI to, to be had. It's more just like, if they see you, then they're going to start running and shooting. Um, as I said, you're go- so you are you do play as Solid Snake. Um, your boss, the 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 person that you're taking orders from throughout the game is Big Boss. Your mission is to infiltrate. Uh, I always screw this up. Is it Outer Heaven or Outer Haven? Outer. It's out. It is Outer Heaven. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, you're infiltrating this base called Outer Heaven, where they are building a metal gear this metal gear is going to be way too powerful especially for bad guys to have so your mission as i said earlier is to find the metal gear and destroy it um you start off basically just in a jungle making your way into the base and then from that point on there are four or five buildings of the base that you have that you get to from various ways whether it might be from riding in a truck or you know, get, leaving one door of the base and walking through more jungle to get to the this other building of the base. And as you're doing this, the, the, the kind of the primary gameplay loop here is you sneak into a base, sneak past guards, go into various rooms, find the two main things you're finding throughout the game are keys to unlock certain doors, uh, as well as um, prisoners who you are there to rescue. 
And then other miscellaneous items that essentially also work as keys to unlock. Like, like for instance, uh, one item you find is a, a gas mask and that lets you get through gas rooms. Um, you find a scuba tank at one point. That's like, that lets you get, get through this water part. Um, obviously the, the keys are just to open locked doors. So you actually find there are seven keys that you get throughout the game and, and various locked doors will take, you know, one specific key. So, you know, as you would guess, if you don't have the right one, then you just come back once you do have the right one. Um, as you unlock, uh, not, not unlock, as you rescue more and more uh, prisoners, they uh, you you eventually rank up, and you can rank up, I think, like three or four times. And every time you rank up, you can it, it raises the max amount of ammo you can carry, and it raises your max HP. Uh, ammo and weapons are other things that you also find lying around. And rations. Rations will fill up your health. Weapons, that's obviously self-explanatory. You find better weapons as you go through. Ammo is basically like you find a stash of ammo and it gives you like a certain amount of ammo for every weapon you have. It's not, generally speaking, it's not weapon specific. It's like, here's a, here's ammo. Everything just went up a little bit. Um, the funny thing is any room that has ammo or, or a ration, if you leave and then just go right back in, then it's respawn. So you can just keep walking. Just farm them. Yeah. You just farm it. You just walk in and out until you're maxed out on that. And then you move on. Um, you might be able to tell from, from my description that it actually, the game feels a lot more like Metroid than, than it does Metal Gear Solid. If, if, if you're more used to, if, if you hadn't played this before Metal Gear Solid and you're used to the Metal Gear Solid games, like I have, like I was going back and playing, this doesn't feel as much like those as it does something like Metroid, because this is all about finding key to find this door. Then you find this thing. Then you go back and find, then unlock this other door. And that had this other thing, which allows you to, to advance farther and get to this area. Um, really just like a Metroid game. Um, the, so one very important thing to have as you're playing this game is a map, uh, like the end game or not end game, but the map that came with the game. As you know, I'm a big fan of of boxed copies of games, so I did buy a, a a complete boxed version of this with the map. If you don't have that, which I realize most people aren't going to spring for that, just make sure you look. Just make sure you like find a scan of the map online somewhere because even with the map, I still had to use a walkthrough at some points. But you're just gonna get lost if you don't if you don't have the map, and it's very very obvious that the the game was des- like that they design it to where you you ha- like the map isn't given to you just like to help you out it's given to you because you really need it to get through the game there are along with just really getting lost very easily there's also th- there's also things like it'll show you where uh like tra- uh like trap doors in the floor are and those are a bitch because if you get to one, it opens so fast that you you either have to know where they are and just walk around them, or sometimes you can't actually walk around them. They, they block where you need to go. You need to be close enough to the edge to where you can scoot past them fast enough to where they don't open up all the way by the time you've gotten to the other side. They are such a pain in the ass. Um, although there is one trick to getting past those, if you, 
so select will bring up your items menu. If you press select, as you have to be pretty fast. If you press select as soon as a trap door starts opening up in the floor, it brings up your item menu. Then go back to the game. The trap door will be gone. Some sometimes though, it's only visually gone, and I still it, it was just invisible, and I ended up getting killed by it somehow, anyways. So that's not even a foolproof way of getting past it. It just helps like most of the time. But the map also shows you. It actually shows you like where every single item in the game is, <laughs> which is funny because this is the enemy's base. Like they must have had they just had mad intel on 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 the enemy's base because it's got a map of every single room in every building and tells you what's in every single room. It tells you where the prisoners are. It tells you which uh, which key cards you need to unlock every locked door. It shows you where every key card is, where every other where every item is, where every weapon is. It tells you every single thing there is. Um, so it's absolutely vital. And again, even then, I still had to look up a uh, guide at some points because, like, I can see where everything was, but there are, it's a front and back map with like different level. Each each you know, I told you there are four or five buildings. Well, yeah. most of the buildings have multiple levels, so there's actually a shitload of various places, and and of course. Not just levels, but then there are multiple rooms per level. So there's actually quite a bit going on. And so even if you have the map, it's usually pretty, it's often pretty difficult to figure out where should I go next. So I used a, uh, a walkthrough at some point just to help kind of, just so I didn't have to like spend 15 minutes looking at the map to figure out what the next place I should go is. Um, what else? Um, it uses a password system. So if you die, not too surprising. Yeah, not too surprising. It is a uh, the password system is not just like a preset. Like this is the password for this level because there are so many different variables. Like you could have, yeah, it's interesting. You could have it actually. It's basically a game save because it whatever password it gives you that will give you, for example, like the exact same amount of ammo you have for each individual weapon. When, when you got it, it'll save like every indoor, every, every, uh, um, item that you had, every, uh, prisoner that you had saved. So it, it's very, it's, this also means that the passwords are pretty long, but they are like essentially like a, an encoded way of, of giving you all of the data for your game. Sure. Uh, so that was pretty neat. Although the one problem is the checkpointing is not very good. So sometimes it'll really set, it'll give you all your stuff, but it'll set you way back from where you want to be from like the place where you died. Maybe for instance, there were a few times where I had to walk like 20 screens to get back to where I was and that's dodging enemies and doing all this other bullshit. Um, just to die again, because it maybe was a particularly hard part. Um, and then I would have to do that like five or six times in a row. So that got a little bit annoying. There are bosses here and there just like, you know, just like in the Metal Gear Solid games, there are bosses. Usually they're pretty easy. It's like you might walk into a room and it's like, oh, I'm the shotgunner. And it's just an extra strong bad guy and you got to kill him in a certain way. Um, the graphics are pretty ugly. Uh, there are There is a lot of tiling with like just kind of like ugly colors that don't look very good together in a repetitive fashion whether it's ground or walls or whatever it may be. 
Uh, it is not a is not a very pleasing game to look at. Um, gameplay. So we've gone over the gameplay. As far as how fun it is, I actually didn't find it that that fun. Um, I appreciate what it does, especially for when it came out. Nothing at this point in the you know life of video games as far as i know was like this it was everything was you know if it was anything like this it was just kill all the bad guys i really appreciate that this was doing something different however it's not that fun now because it's just a lot of finding a shitload of keys and then going back and finding the doors that they, that they opened to find other things in in metroid i think that works because well, it, it do, obviously it does work in Metroid. I think the reason it works better in games like Metroid is that Metroid, even the NES one, had a great, had an awesome environment. The soundtrack was creepy. The various, you know, parts of the world just looked really cool. This doesn't have things like that going for it. The only thing this one really has going for it in that sense is just the unique aspect of the gameplay where it's like sneak past guys. Obviously... That on an NES game nowadays that doesn't hold up super well. It doesn't have all the other cool kind of atmospheric things that games like Metroid had, and and you could even kind of count Zelda Zelda to some extent uh, as as sort of like that. Um, it, uh, and Castlevania, of course, is a classic example. It doesn't have the 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 sort of surrounding things going for it that that those games did. Um, the as I mentioned, the ending was extremely unrewarding. Um, you don't even fight. And even in the MSX2 version, you didn't actually fight the Metal Gear. Um, the Metal Gear was like an, it like wasn't quite functioning yet. I, I watched a video of this. It's, it's not functioning when you find it, but there are at least wall lasers shooting at you while you're trying to destroy it. This one, it's just straight up. You eventually find the room with a supercomputer and you have to specifically put 16 uh, plastic explosives on it to blow it up after you kill four guys in the room, which you can do in two seconds. So you do that. And then, so minor spoiler, you there, I, I won't go, I won't, there is a, there is a story twist that takes place shortly before you find this, the supercomputer, um, I won't tell you what that is, but you could probably you, you probably already know if you know anything about the Metal Gear Solid franchise. After you blow up the supercomputer, then there is actually one more boss, like a real boss that you have to fight. But he's the easiest boss in the entire game, and he did not even shoot at me one time when I was fighting him. So, uh, needless to say, <laughs> the ending of the game in every way imaginable was a an enormous letdown. <laughs> like there's absolutely nothing going for it. It didn't do anything. Uh, yeah, I think that about sums it up. I, I, I feel like I've talked a lot about it and pretty much just said it's kind of what you expect. And there's a lot of running past bad guys and finding lots of keys and that's it. There's not, there is a little bit of quirkiness. Obviously, that's what the Metal Gear Solid franchise came to be known for, or you know, one of the things it came to be known for. There's a little bit of that in here, but not much. There is a cardboard box. 
You you do get the cardboard box, um, which allows you to hide from enemies and move around a little bit. Um, but there's not the the only the only other quirky like thing that I can think of off the top of my head is you you have the radio, um, that the the classic radio that you that you also know from the MGS series. At one point, you find a I think I think a, one of the prisoners tells you this. You find him and he says, "Hey." Call up such and such girl on this on this channel. She'll help you out. And then you call her up, and some guy says, uh, some guy, some other guy, like answers the transmission or whatever, and he says, uh, "She's not here. She's probably out shopping." <laughs> like, it's what? like, okay, <laughs> like just the most random damn thing. Um, there are also a lot of mistranslations in this game. Ooh, uh, Foxhound which you'll know if you are familiar with the Metal Gear Solid series, is called a Fox Hounder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they keep referring to Foxhound as Fox Hounder. Uh, and I did look it up in the uh, manual to see if maybe that's just what they meant for it to originally be called. But no, the manual says Foxhound, but in the game they keep saying Fox Hounder. Um, the, the the dialogue when when Solid Snake says anything is just very very stiff like <laughs> like you pick up ammo and it's like a little dialogue box pops up at the top of the screen and says i have located ammo <laughs> when, when you when you find I, one of the funniest like times that this got me was when you find the cardboard box he says i have located cardboard <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one that happens a lot so there are these trucks throughout the game and one of the ways that you have to use to get from one building to the other is you get in the back of a truck and then somebody it's like you're sneaking into the back of a truck and then like it's the enemy's truck and then they drive it somewhere not realizing that you're back there and then you pop out and go into the next building. You have to do this quite a lot. Whenever, whenever that happens, you put, you jump into the back of the truck and it starts going solid snake says, "Uh Oh, the truck have started to move. And you just see that, constantly throughout the game and then finally the the very first one that well maybe foxhounder comes before this but one of the first ones that i noticed was uh there's a there's a guard and it's one of the first guards that you that you come across and he'll like periodically fall asleep and that's of course when you're supposed to just sneak past him but when he wakes up he says i feel asleep exclamation mark and i actually wasn't Jesus. <laughs> wasn't sure for for a while if he's trying to say he feels sleepy or he fell asleep asleep, yeah yeah. but it is supposed to be i fell asleep yeah that makes the most i think that's the most like obvious one to be honest like i think that's the most likely case i guess i should say yeah so it's i i I played this one out of respect for the franchise uh obviously as i mentioned i did i did play it all the way through Probably took about six or seven hours, something like that. Maybe eight. Um, so there is plenty of game to play here. It's just what it boils down to is going into different rooms to find different things to get to other different rooms to find more things to get to other rooms. And, and you're sneaking around bad guys in the meantime. Didn't really hold, even though I played it all the way through, it didn't hold my interest like much past the first hour or two. Okay. Um, and definitely use a guide if you're wanting to 
do it. And, and especially also make sure you have the map first off and probably just use a guide as well. Just so you don't like, just so you can kind of get through it more efficiently because you probably won't have a lot of fun just figuring out where to go. Which, by the way, this obviously is not a fault of the game, but just on a random side note, the walkthrough that I was using was kind of shitty. <laughs> and at one point, I got to a room, and I was like following the guy step by step, and he's and the 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 person writing this guide at this point he says, "I hope you have a lot of rations." <laughs> Jesus. You couldn't have just told me to make sure I get a shitload before I go here. You wait till I get to the room and say, oh, hope you got a lot of these. So that was pretty amusing. Uh, but yeah, I, I I don't think it holds up very well. Unfortunately. That's that's a long, very long-winded way of saying it doesn't hold up that great. But I'm glad I finally played it. I felt like I owed it to the series. Um, I don't know if I will play the second one at some point. Um, the second one, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was sort of retconned and it's not considered canon anymore. Uh, so it pretty much just goes Metal Gear and then it jumps into the Metal Gear Solid series. So, there we go. Any questions, Jay, before we go on to emails? Uh, no. I'm not expecting than... you to have much Metal yeah, Gear. Yeah, I was going to say... Questions. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm good. I think I'm all metal geared out for a while. <laughs> I think you probably are. One, that was probably year. true before I before I even started talking about it. That is true. All right, quick interjection uh, into this episode. We realized there was actually one more email that I uh, that I just overlooked somehow, and I don't know if I'm going to put this one before or after Chase the Night Cleaner's email, but obviously you'll know wherever it is based on listening to this uh, podcast. So anyway, here is. Father Beast email that I almost missed. Apologies, Father Beast. Jay, Father Beast says, um, okay, I don't usually do this, but a recent email asked what video game character I would have an affair with. <laughs> Dismissing the fact that I am happily married, etc. I love like I love how you and I are like, we have to answer this, I guess. And Father Beast comes in, he's like, I'll answer it. <laughs> I'll take one for the team. <laughs> I choose, he says, I choose to interpret that as, quote, if I wasn't married, what video game character would I want to hook up with? I think that's a, I think that's a, yeah. that's a better way of phrasing yep. the original question. He says, so he just got his answer here. My answer is Charcy, the, the blacksmith in the rogues camp in Diablo 2. She seems nice. She seems nice. Char, I got Charcy Diablo. This C H A R S I. If you want to, if you're interested in looking it up, she's muscular. I don't remember the character. I don't think. Well, at least on this one particular art of her, it is. Yeah. Okay. Right hey. Sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. For letting us know, Father Beast. Um, okay, and that's it for this little interjection. We will move on with the uh, with the rest of the podcast now. All right, Chase the Night Cleaner. He says, "Hello, gentlemen, Chase the Night Cleaner with a down to wire email." So you but you both touched on a nerve. You both touched a nerve for me last episode. I apologize in advance for the size of this email. 
Let's talk pay to win. Games that use probability as a marketing device and gotcha systems for a minute. I'll start this conversation off by saying I really don't like this stuff, which is weird because I also engage with it constantly. And some of my uh, best memories in gaming come from games or systems that use this concept because right now some great strategy games employ it. I don't like what oh. I got to say. I don't like what I'm hearing so far. Jason. Yeah, neither do I. I'm, I'm very <laughs> curious what specifically he's referencing. He says, I'm hoping you guys understand what I mean when I say gotcha, but the best way to describe the system is ref- is to refer to Magic the Gathering or Pokemon the card game. Both games, both are games that have great fun rules that exist independent of the predatory nature of the sale of these games and that play a very certain way that requires strategy but also deck building because in order to play either game, you need to build a deck of cards. And deck building is where the player slash consumer loses their money because though you have a few options such as buying pre-made decks at a premium price, you also have the choice of simply buying booster decks with the chance of maybe getting the cards you want as the rarer and more powerful the card, the lower your chance is to get it. Though that's the hook, there is always a chance you will get exactly what there is always a chance you will get exactly what you want. To have a competitive edge, you want these super rare cards, and most of these can only be found through chance by repeatedly purchasing small booster packs. The folks with enough money to buy enough packs have the best cards, thus have the competitive advantage, hence the term pay to win for the folks at home who may not recognize it. If you played either of these card games growing up, and especially if you had to buy your own cards, you've engaged with gambling mechanics simply through the act of purchasing the game. Uh, It's hard to escape this kind of practice now, specifically on mobile games where playable characters or powerful equipment is locked behind this mechanic and can only be unlocked through intense gameplay grinding or by paying small sums for a chance to win them and in rare cases the option to pay very large sums to purchase them outright with this last option being a rare luxury. What bothers me about this is that turn-based strategy and turn-based RPGs are having a renaissance right now, specifically on mobile, regardless of the company involved. Uh, All of them are using these mechanics and any of these games will gladly drain you of hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for the chance to maybe get the character or card you really like. Some of these games work off nostalgia. Some of these are just predatory and are actually aimed directly at a young audience with the hopes that they're linked to their parents' accounts. My son has bought plants on Plants vs. Zombies 2 on mobile before I realized I need to turn off the one tap purchase option for Google Play. The prevalence of this stuff has me believing that without some kind of major action from someone, maybe government, this isn't going to stop and will just get more embedded and normalized. Console gamers balk at this stuff, but on mobile it's just normal. And that worries me because the next generation of gamers will have grown up on touchscreens, tablets, and phones. I honestly feel like this kind of practice really shouldn't be the norm and shouldn't be okay because you stand to lose so much. Uh, Just because you want the chance to stay competitive and what bothers me the most is that these systems are built into some pretty enjoyable mobile games. Which brings me to my question of the day. What is a mobile game or app you really enjoy using? It doesn't have to be a game. And what do you look for in a good mobile app? Okay, well, all right. So there are two pretty different things going on. First off, before his question, the pay to win stuff. Uh, I mean, I think I don't really have anything to add or say. I think he pretty much just elaborately, not not, not elaborate 
not elaborate in a bad way, but he elaborately summed up the way that we feel about pay to win stuff. Do you have anything else to say or add to that, Jay? Yeah, I guess just a couple of things. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I completely agree with the the concern for the future. I mean, it seems like, and the worst part is, is the more successful this product or this um, setup is, the more we're going to see it, right? If, if it wasn't successful, we wouldn't see more of it. The other thing too is like, the way that video games are going is the industry is getting so big that developers and publishers are going to try and find any way they can to generate new uh, ways of revenue. One of the things that I, I saw I forget which company was, but they're exploring having intermit intermission while you're playing where an ad will basically interrupt kind of like if you've watched Twitch where it pops up and it's like, Hey, you have to watch an ad for 15 or 30 seconds. And there's four of them, whatever it is. Yeah. They're exploring that happening, not even for online games, like just standard games. Oof. If you buy the, the $40 version, then you get ads. If you buy the $60 version, you don't get ads. That is something else they're exploring, which I know it's not the exact same thing, but for me it is, right? You're basically taking the quality of the product and you're reducing it down in order to generate more money, right? So that really does concern me. And the future state of gaming in general for me is just, I am so concerned about it because I think for the, I think for the most part, the more that we roll out into the future with gaming, unless there is some substantial block that's put in place, I, I think it's only going to get more and more intrusive and abusive, so. Okay. Yeah, uh, I don't really, for myself, I, I yes, I agree with both of what y'all have to say. I don't really have anything else to, uh, I think y'all pretty much said all the rest. Burn it down. It. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, so question of the day. Those mechanics, those mechanics aside, forget, forget those. What's an app or mobile game that you like? I'm going to be honest with you. The only apps that I have on my phone, I am not a, a uh, mobile. I'm not a phone person. I play a lot of Switch if I'm going to do things mobily. The only thing that I have a lot of on my phone that isn't related to gaming or just like additional apps in general is emulators. Like I have GameCube or Game Boy emulators of all different kinds. Um, beyond that, I don't really have any games or anything else on my phone. I have a really old phone too. I have like a S. Oof, what generation is this? Is it Android? I have an S7. Android? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a it's a Galaxy S7. It's an Android. Um, I'm not I'm not a big phone person. I, I buy a cheap phone that works and drive it into the ground until it breaks. That's usually my strategy. So. Gotcha. I yeah I pretty yeah I, I never upgrade until like it's I'm like all right it's starting to starting to get questionable. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm flipping through my apps. So I have been playing Fantasian recently, which is that Square Enix uh, RPG that's exclusive on apple arcade uh it's because i realized that i still had an apple arcade subscription and i want to get rid of it but i also want to try this game out first so lately i've been playing fantasian but aside from that let's see i'm just flipping through to see if there's any particular that i like or use a lot strava is good because i've been running lately and that's a really good running app where you can have I've, like... I've heard good things about it at least use it for biking oh okay cool yeah yeah it's really it's i i really like seeing like what other people I know, like, like Jeffrey, for instance, like I, like he and I follow each other on here. And so we can see like when, when one or the other has done a run and like how fast they went, what their pace was and all this, like how far they went, all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, is that, that yeah, might I, I, be it. I'm sorry. I think we're kind of boring in this category. I, I just, I, I am just not a huge mobile platform. And honestly, I don't want to encourage it. That's, that's also kind of like a stubborn aspect of me is like, I, I'll, every once in a while I'll get into a mobile game and then I'll play for a couple weeks or whatever and then fall off. But 
Yeah, I, if I'm going to do that, I'm just going to play my Switch. So. Yeah, I mean, just other kind of more generic stuff like various, like Amazon, like you know, Amazon yeah. Prime Video, for instance. Yep. Like I've got that on here, so I can watch movies and shit. I got, I have the chess app from chess.com because I every once in a while do get in a chess mood. And this is a good way to like just play somebody online in chess for a minute. Um, one game that I will say is fantastic. That's a mobile game. I, I played it years ago. Who even knows if it's, if it is even still available on like the current iOS version, but it's called device six. That is a genuinely pretty awesome game that, that uses, um, like the mo like that uses iOS in kind of a uses the mobile format in a pretty interesting way. I thought, um, so if you're looking for something, give device six a chance. See, see, first off, see if it's if you can even buy the damn game any, game anymore. But uh, aside from that, um, yeah, give give device six a chance. Uh, I've got like a. I've got a couple bird apps from when I had been watching birds out my window a lot where you can identify them. Did and, I know you were watching birds? Well, like I put a bird feeder up and I, and like I kind of got interested in all the cool different kind of birds that you see from time to time. That's awesome. So, I didn't know you were getting that. Well, it was a while back and I kind of dropped off and I started getting back into it a little bit more again recently, but it's fun to see okay. what the different, I like being able to like know what the different kinds of birds are when I see them out there. You can also keep track of like which ones you've seen and that kind of stuff. So those are Merlin bird ID to identify them, obviously an eBird to like track the ones you've seen. Those are pretty good, but yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything, anything noteworthy besides just those couple. Um, is that it from chase? Yeah. Cheers. You can talk soon. Chase and night cleaner. Thank you, chase. We appreciate yeah, it. Um, Jay, real quick before we head out, do you have have you been playing anything uh, non classic? I'm trying to think. Uh, still playing Slay a decent amount, but I'm still helping coach my dad. I think I talked to you about this before the podcast yeah, a little bit. Well, we talked about still... it on the last podcast, oh, also. Well, that too, yeah. But he's he's still he's he's my brother. My brother and I keep calling him an addict. He is playing a lot. <laughs> uh, he started playing during the week, which is you know a little bit of a more than he was before, and he's still really enjoying it. He absolutely despises us coaching him because he gets overwhelmed, but. He really enjoys playing the game, so at a certain point, we'll expand him into other other titles as well. But no, not really. I haven't really been playing too many games as of recent. Uh, Slay is like the only thing I've been playing predominantly. I've been playing Last Call BBS. Some of our listeners may have seen this. It, it kind of went through a really, honestly, a pretty brief phase of popularity, like just about two weeks ago, um, which. I don't know why it was so brief because this damn game is amazing. It is prob. It might be the best puzzle game I've ever played. Wow. Um. It is a actually it's it's a collection of puzzle games, and it's twenty dollars. It's made by Zachtronics, which is the same developer that made. They've, they've made a bunch of puzzle games. That's like what they're known for. Uh, one of their more popular ones was uh, Opus Magnum. Uh, that's the one where it's like, it looks like the it's it's a programming game. And it looks like the, the game looks like an insane version of the Final Fantasy Sphere Grid. <laughs> basically, okay. basically, it gives you a little like hex grid with little spheres on it. And you have to, 
put in little uh, programming commands for like little machines to pop in and do this or that. To forgot what you're doing. You're like moving spheres around in, in some in some way. I forgot like what the exact goal is that you're trying to do on each one. It was like basically move this sphere here or make this kind of pattern using these different uh, programming commands. That's that was one of the ones that that was more popular. Um, this one is actually a collection of puzzle games. They just have a bunch of original puzzle games on here. And like, so the game is only 20 bucks. If I recall, let me pull that up and see. Um, the game is 20 bucks. Yeah, it's $20. And there are several games within here that I would have paid $20 for just that one game alone. Um, there's one called dungeons and die. So it's, it's actually pretty cool too. The way it, the way the game plays, it's, it's as if you are booting up some old, like per, like home computer system, uh, and this guy like has little notes that you read from now and then, like kind of talk about like how he found this system and like these are some of the games that he used to play on it back in the day, and like the way you get the games on it is you go to like a this part in the menu system and you basically like fake download the games and it even takes a few minutes to download each one, so the idea is that you you play one while the next one is downloading. Um, the first one that you, so it like when you first launch it, all you have is this, um, that just launched it. So people are, are going to hear a little tiny clip of music for a second is like some, uh, slightly altered game of solitaire. You can launch that. You can play that and, and like start downloading something in the background. The first, and you can choose which order it's got like a list of games, but I just went straight down the list in order. The first one that you that is on the list to download, which is the first one that I unlocked to play, is called Dungeons and Diagrams. It is basically like a pit cross puzzle, except instead of saying like you, you you've played some pit cross, right? Yeah, yeah. So it might have like on one column like four six one, and that means there's a group of four, and there's some number of spaces, and then a group of six, some number of spaces, and a one, right? And it has that on every column and on every row. Well, this one is slightly different. It only has one number, which just tells you the total number of things you have to fill in. But the the catch is every grid that you're looking at is a dungeon. And the spots that you're filling in are the walls. And here and there, there will be bad guys and treasure chests on the map. Every treasure chest is in exactly a three by three room with exactly one entrance. Every bad guy is at the end of a hallway. And knowing that, and given the numbers, you have to figure out what the layout of the dungeon is for just this one game alone. There are 64 of those puzzles to figure to solve. I like, I had so much fun with this. I played through the entire Dungeons and Diagrams before I downloaded or fake downloaded the next game. <laughs> That's crazy. Which was hours. That that wasn't just like a one. Like some of them are very difficult. It probably took. I'm gonna just estimate six or seven hours before I solved all those, um, and then and then went to the next one, and then the next one I liked even more. The next one is 20th Century Food Court, <laughs> which if you've seen anybody play this online, you've probably seen 20th Century Food Court. 
This is a very programmy puzzle game. What it is, is it will um, say like, all right, for this food court restaurant, you are, you're basically building a, uh, an automated conveyor belt system to, uh, to produce X type of food and whatever food you're, you're producing is different based on like which, which, which puzzle of the game you're doing. So one of them is might be hamburgers, for instance. Well, that's more of a complicated one. Like one of them might be, uh, let's just say for instance, chicken nuggets. There's not actually one like this, but it's just the first thing that came to mind. And so you got to set it up. You have to set up like these little conveyor belts where a tray comes out here, chicken nuggets come out this way. They move on the conveyor belt this way. They go into a fryer. Then they meet up and there's a stacking thing where the tray goes first and then the chicken nuggets get to here. And then a little claw comes over and stacks the chicken nuggets on the tray. Um, that's a very simple example. But not only do you have to set up the conveyor belts, but you also have to set up the things that control each machine Uh that does something. So on one half of the screen, you have the, the actual conveyor belts on the left side of the screen. You have all the little devices that control each and everything. And that's where it gets very complicated because you're wiring shit all over the place. You're wiring like, okay, when it starts, I want to trigger this thing. And this thing is going to trigger that thing. And this is going to trigger, trigger a counter. And when this counter gets to zero, then it's going to stack or then it's going to stop frying and push them on. And then it's going to count and make sure it's done this number of stacks and then, it, and then, and then it's going to eject the thing to move on to be served to the people. And then it starts getting insanely complicated. Like it's very difficult to explain. <laughs> it's very difficult to explain. I'm going to try to show you, actually, I'm just going to, it, it's got this really cool thing where it actually will auto, it'll, it's got a button just to generate a GIF of any of your solutions. Once you're done with it, here's a. Uh, Trying to find okay, here's like not the most complicated one, but actually no wait, here here is probably the hardest one. Just ah damn it, my, the file's too big. Well, I think I posted some of these on Twitter. I'll find one while I'm talking to show you. But uh like from there it gets even more complicated because like that's an example where you might be just doing one thing. Then there's others where it's like, okay, if it's a cheeseburger, it needs to have cheese on it. Or like the last one that I did was sushi and there were like four different types of sushi and it had to do a different thing based on like what type of sushi was coming out. It had to be prepared in totally different ways. And you have a very limited amount of space to, uh, to like put all these things and there's limited space for the controllers that control them. Also, like it gets absolutely insane. Um, again, I played, I beat every puzzle on this one before I even moved on to the next one because I liked it so much. It's just like I, they packed so much into this game that it's unbelievable. The, the, the wow. one that the one that I'm working on right now is called XBPGH, the forbidden path. And it's like, you're building little, you're building little, grids of flesh and programming the way that the flesh is supposed to evolve like over various steps to make it look like a certain pattern of flesh at the end. And it's very difficult and very gross looking. Cause it's like, okay, I want this little red blob to turn into skin. <laughs> and then I want this, I want this blob to turn into muscle. 
And then over here, I, I need this skin to grow some hair. <laughs> like, it is bizarre and sometimes frustrating and extremely challenging. But if you are in the mood for a puzzle game, I cannot recommend this enough. It is an outstanding puzzle game. Even if you just, even if you only buy it for 20th Century Food Court or Dungeons and Diagrams, and there's a, and there's still a couple that I haven't even played yet. So there's my, there's my sell on Last Call BBS. I, I it's one of the best games I've played in a long time. Dang. Yeah. And certainly one of the best puzzle games that I've ever played. I can't I can't think of a puzzle game that I've liked more. That's crazy. So yeah, so I like it a lot. I probably went on for too long, so we will wrap this up. Um, quick reminder: our game of the quarter is Quest sixty four. <laughs> <laughs> so I was looking at the schedule. If we stay on track, we should be discussing this exactly on September thirtieth. Um, I don't know if we are, if we have to postpone, like for instance, the next episode for whatever reason, I don't know if we would put that one off or still aim to talk about it, maybe squeeze in an earlier episode on September 30th. But if you want to play that, which I guess probably most people do not, um, just write in your thoughts by September 30th for that one. But that's that's when we are aiming to discuss Quest sixty four. It's going to be a fun discussion too. Oh so my gosh! It's supposed to encourage you. It's, it's supposed to be. I looked it up. Supposedly the game is an eleven hour game. I'm really going to try to finish it. Really? Yeah. Oh my god! I assumed it was really long. I, yeah, I thought it would be too. But according to how long to beat, it is only eleven hours. So I'm going to try. Dang! I was probably halfway done last time I was playing. Then. <laughs> Shoot! I'm going to try to do it. We'll see how long I can withstand it you're a trooper um but yeah uh i think that's it for this episode follow us at class Gamescast. i'm at king octavius leave us reviews on itunes tell your friends to listen to us send us emails mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. um i think that about does it you got anything you got anything before we before we head out jay no i think we're all good thanks okay. for listening yeah we appreciate it everybody thank you for listening and we will see you in about uh three weeks Yep. Take care.